Hello, and welcome to the Wise Up Texas podcast. Wise Up Texas is a nonpartisan nonprofit empowering and educating Texas South Asians to be informed voters and partake in civic engagement. You can visit our website, wiseuptx.org, or find us on all social media platforms. This is Sana Megani from Austin, Texas. I'm a Wise Up Texas board member, and I'm going to be your host today. Before we get to our guest for today's podcast, I have a few quick reminders. The next Civics and Jai virtual event on Wise Up and Know Your Rights is on Wednesday, October 7th at 7 p.m. Central. We are partnering with the Texas Civil Rights Project to discuss how you can protect your voting rights, what you need to do in case you face any voting difficulty, and how to access the voter hotline in Urdu, Hindi, and Bengali. You can learn more about the event on our website and our social media platforms. Also, we're now selling merch, which is really exciting. We have t-shirts and a chai blend. I purchased some t-shirts and a chai for my family and they were really excited about them. Proceeds from, our, from uh, our merchandise go directly to Wise Up and help us bring important content and events to you like this podcast. And finally, and perhaps most important, the deadline to register to vote in the state of Texas is October 5th. So go to votetexas.gov to get registered today. And if you're already registered, Tell your aunties, uncles, your family members, tell everyone, get them registered as well. And also think about your plan for voting day. How do you plan to vote? Where will you vote? And um, how do you plan to do it? So with that, I'm going to get to our guest for today's episode, Travis Bolt. Travis is the Democratic nominee in House District 29. For the benefit of our listeners, House District 29 includes the southeast uh, suburbs of Houston, which includes Pearland. Uh, it's also important to note that House District 29 has about an 11% Asian population and is a very diverse district, and I'm sure Travis will tell us all about that in just a moment. Um, Travis is challenging incumbent Ed Thompson, who won the election in 2018. He's a lifelong Texan raised in Houston, specifically in Clear Lake, which it happens to be where my family and I moved to after we immigrated to the United States from uh, Pakistan, so we share that little tidbit of history there. Travis was educated in San Antonio at Trinity University, and for the past seven years, he's been running a home health care agency that supports disabled seniors. So Travis, welcome to our podcast. We're so excited to have you here with us today. If I missed anything in your bio, will you please tell our listeners more about you? And will you tell us why you decided to run as representative for House District 29? Absolutely. And thanks so much for having me on, son. Um, yeah, so my background's in healthcare. I run a, a home healthcare agency, and that's really been the core of why uh, my experience has led me to run, uh, is functioning within the private marketplace, uh, providing healthcare to disabled seniors is really rewarding, but it's also really limiting in certain aspects. You're only able to service directly folks with a lot of disposable income. So I've been given a front row seat to kind of the disparity between the rich and the working class in our elder years. And I've been constantly searching for ways to reach outside of my private business in order to help those who don't have the disposable income to hire us privately. So that led me to work with the Alzheimer's Association and with other volunteer groups. Um, I actually led their policy advocacy team, which went to Washington DC and Austin to advocate for change with Alzheimer's disease and ultimately to run for this office when the grassroots candidate was needed. 
Uh, I'm also married to my lovely wife, Christine, who's a public high school teacher. So uh, defending public education is something that's very important to me. We also have a two-year-old son, Jude, uh, and childcare and making sure that uh, workers have access to childcare is something that's been really crucial and, and particularly here in the pandemic and trying to work from home and Christine teaching from home. Uh, having access to childcare has been something that's uh, that's really been turned on its head and something that's been proven to be necessary for our economy to function correctly. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like, you know, with you being sort of on the front lines and uh, of healthcare in the community and, and that being something that you have your pulse on, what are the issues that you would like to uh, bring forward um, when you get elected for House District 29? Yeah, and, and obviously healthcare is front and center for that. And it always was going to be, um, not least because it's where my experience is, but it's what the dinner table issue where most people in my district are most concerned about is uh, we live in a society where you have to choose between staying in your house and treating the unforeseen disease that you might have. And uh, again, I've, I've seen that firsthand, people burning through retirement accounts to deal with Alzheimer's disease or cancer or Parkinson's disease, these things that they've gotten through no fault of their own and are really having to, to turn their lives on end uh, in order to get the quality health care which, um, which should be afforded to them. Uh, the COVID pandemic has really brought this into stark contrast and while uh, it is a global pandemic and every country on the planet is dealing with this, uh, America is really the only country that has that type of stark choice where people have to choose between their livelihood and their health. So making sure that Texas has state level solutions to address that sort of thing. Right now, Texas has 49th level in the country access to, uh, to healthcare and 51st in the country access to senior care. There's a lot that we can do in order to right the ship, make sure that more money is flowing into the healthcare system, uh, particularly by expanding Medicaid, which has left $60 billion sitting on the table over the past decade, um, and fighting the, the COVID pandemic with a science-centered approach, where most of the time, I don't know why this has been politicized the way it has, but um, we really very much need to make sure that we're listening to the experts and that we're treating this like the serious um, issue that it is. If we had done that in March and April, we'd be through this by now, but still we end up with, with people um, casting doubt on those sorts of issues. Uh, however, of course, this isn't all about healthcare. Um, defending our public schools, making sure that we have job training in our public schools and we're graduating uh, work in college ready graduates is something that's very important to me. Um, fighting climate change is something that we've left on the back burner for far too long. And my opponent uh, sits on the climate, uh, the environmental regulations committee. And though he is a climate change denier, smothers climate change legislation before it actually gets a vote on the floor, uh, criminal justice reform and making sure that, um, that there's actually justice in our justice system and that is being applied equally regardless of um, uh, the, the, somebody's race or ethnic background. Mm -hmm. um, and all of these issues culminate at the state level uh, and make sure, making sure that we have that, that fairness in government and our government that is representative of a changing diverse community, which we very much are in District 29. Um, and we're majority minority now. Uh, we've doubled in size in, since uh, in the past 10 years. The Democratic base has doubled in size in the past four. 
And we very much want to make sure that we have people who are willing to have an inclusive table and um, have everybody kind of come to the middle and, and hear these diverse backgrounds and diverse perspectives so that um, we're not having a one size fits all uh, conversation or assuming that everybody's background is like mine, mm -hmm. understanding that we need to, to have, you know, many and very different backgrounds at the table to make these types of decisions. Mm -hmm. So earlier in the interview, you mentioned that, you know, with a young child, you and your wife are uh, juggling uh, childcare in a pandemic while also thinking about, you know, what does that mean for your jobs and, and how do you balance it all? I'm also a, a new mom. And so that's something that I am dealing with. Um, what would you say are the issues that you will take up for working parents or for childcare when you are elected to office? Because I think for uh, a lot of voters who have kids or who perhaps work in education, that's on their minds right now. And I think it'll continue to be on their minds, um, you know, past the election as well. Absolutely. And uh, not just as a parent myself, but as a small business owner, um, the number one barrier that a lot of times I have getting people to, to pick up shifts and to, to get to work is they have a barrier here at childcare. And so doing things like extending universal pre-K to all Texans is something that not only is going to provide a jumpstart on education that folks need and level the playing field, because we know wealthy families start reading much earlier than, than poor and working class families anyway but making sure that we have that level playing field. Um, but it also levels the economic playing field also, because if you have somebody that's willing and able to get back to work because you know they have quality childcare, uh, that's something that allows them to better provide for their family, to take the risks that they otherwise wouldn't, to start that new business, to move cities and, and start that new job in a new, in a new city. Um, to take those risks is really something that's key and important. And particularly here in the pandemic, making sure that we didn't have to, we were blessed that we, we could afford and had access to some really high quality childcare, but um, not everybody in my district and not everybody I employed had that. And those shortcomings are draw a stark comparison into what opportunities are not only available to me, but what are the opportunities that are gonna be available to my son? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that childcare and the quality of childcare is something that um, a lot of us have on our minds right now. And so I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you also mentioned climate change as being a uh, issue that you and your comment have very um, diverse views on. Can you tell me more about what makes you stand out uh, from your opponent? Well, I don't take tens of thousands of dollars from the oil and gas industry from to start things, but um, uh, yeah, to making sure that we have a state level plan to fight climate change is something that uh, that needs to be top of mind. And it's not just, and those of us who understand climate change understand it as an existential threat based on the science behind it. But I find it much more impactful to talk to those who might be skeptical about the science, about the economic impacts of how that's going to play out. And we see this playing in California and Oregon right now with the wildfires that are, that are ripping across them. But we've also seen it with floods and increased hurricanes here in, in Southeast Texas. And the impacts of climate change are going to change and threaten the way that we do business and the way that we live. And without plans that, and we've got threefold plans that we need to do, we need to deal with the worst impacts, we need to reduce our emissions as quickly as possible, and uh, we need to punish the worst, worst offending um, uh, offenders. 
anybody who's lived in Houston has seen dark black plumes of smoke cast over the city several times in the past several years uh, for chronic polluters who, in the, again, in the pandemic, were given a waiver on their pollution so that they could pollute freely because the state didn't want to send out um, regulators during the pandemic and potentially shut down a plant which might be supplying jobs. But we do need to make sure that, that chronic polluters are held to task and actually pay for the damage that they're causing to the rest of the state. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that information. And I guess, you know, before we wrap up today, for our listeners who are South Asian, we'd like to know what, what message do you have for us and what do you want us to know about you and what you will be doing for our community um, as they head to the, uh, to the booths uh, in, in just a couple of weeks here? Well, sure. Well, uh, and as I'm sure I don't have to tell you, the South Asian community is, is diverse and there are many different pillars of those communities who are going to have to be consulted and sat down with in order to make sure that we have uh, that diverse background and consult the consultation that we were talking about. Um, South Asian community is key to my district. As you mentioned, it's 11% of uh, the people in my district. And uh, I'm fortunate to be running uh, on the same ballot as Sri Kulkarni in District 22. We make up about 25% of his district and he's gonna be the first South Asian uh, representative that's ever, ever elected to District 22, which I'm very excited about also. Um, but basically just making sure that we have every seat at the table. Um, the issues that I believe face the South Asian community are the issues that face most Texans, is making sure that we have quality education for our kids, making sure we have business opportunities for those uh, who want to engage in business and solid jobs for those in the workforce. Um, but and the, at the end of the day, it's just about having an open door and making sure that it, people understand that I understand my own limitations, that I don't have the same background as a, I'm, a, I'm a fifth generation Texan. So I don't have the firsthand uh, knowledge of what it's like to immigrate to this country and what it's like for people to uh, live as first and second generations here in Texas. But I'm very open to hearing those perspectives. And I want to make sure that we make this uh, a meaningful and inclusive community. And uh, with that, that wraps up our interview. Thank you so much, Travis, for your time today. We really appreciate you taking time um, to spend with us and to share a little bit more about yourself, the issues that you care about. Um, and so I want to remind our listeners that the deadline to register to vote again is on October the 5th. If you're already registered, start thinking about your plan, where you're going to vote, how you'll vote. Uh, and of course, please, please tell all of your family members and loved ones about it. Wise of Texas is posting a lot of infographics and content in a variety of South Asian languages. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, reshare, repost. Uh, we have information in Urdu, Hindi, Gujarati, Bengali, Tamil, Telugu, Malayalam. So um, take advantage of those resources and repost, please. Uh, finally, Wise Up Texas is a nonpartisan and nonprofit organization, but we welcome interviews with candidates and political leaders who want to reach out to our South Asian followers. Wise Up Texas does not endorse any candidates or political party. You can find a recording of this podcast on most platforms where podcasts are available and select episodes will air on Radio Azad in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Thank you for listening. Get educated, get wiser, and start giving a hoot with Wise Up Texas. <laughs>